We'd like to welcome everyone back to the Nova Society, and today I am be talking with uh, my co-host, Dr. Brooklyn Ann Weldon, and we will be having what we like to call a therapy session uh, as we uh, talk about her concerns as it relates to the debates, as it relates to Marjorie Taylor Greene, as it relates to Russia, and all the things going on in uh, American politics today. So let's listen in. Good to be back with you again, Mark. And yeah, today I've been um, I've been stewing over a couple of uh, well, like three different issues. Said to uh, to get your take on uh, one of them is well, actually I suppose there are four, but uh, two are related. I saw some of the um, the Republican debate, not all of it. I just watched some of the highlights, and I was I was very very irritated with the fact. Uh, Ramaswamy, for example, by shouting with his shouting, oh, climate change is a hoax, and by the obsequiousness of everyone except for the two candidates who did not raise their hands, that even if, 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 that if Trump is selected as the nominee, they'll support him. And I noticed how DeSantis looked one way and then the other way before he raised his hand. I thought about how vociferous and like a um, you know a Nazi commandant he is in Florida, where he's in charge of everything, and no one really is in much of a position to challenge him, except through the courts maybe. But he can, up to a point, do whatever he likes and throw his weight around. But on a stage with his peers, he's got to check and see what his peers are doing before he can make any kind of, of decision. So he his capacity for independent thinking appears to be um, very, very low indeed. M- much of what was said irritated me. And watching which news outlet it was had um, were discussing with some Republican uh, uh, voters afterward what their assessment was and who they thought won the debate, as it were. Most people felt that uh, Vivek, uh, Mr. Ramaswamy, had won the debate. And I I couldn't believe what I was hearing. I mean, here we are again with an individual without any experience whatsoever who put on a, a performance that looked as though he were trying to win some sort of acting award. No substance, just performance and theatrics. And people, one one woman argued that she didn't like Chris Christie because she thought that he was all about revenge. He was rude. And I I couldn't believe that anyone who had voted for Trump and felt that the real winner was Trump, even though he wasn't there, would feel that Chris Christie was the worst because what Chris Christie had done was, in fact, sound revengeful (laughs) and be critical of, of others. So there was that. That I found very, very irritating. I understand that one of the the uh, Trump's ideas, if he comes back into office, 
But independently of that, a huge Republican concern now is, uh, or it has been, uh, is fentanyl uh, coming over the uh, the Mexican border, which I understand that. I mean, this is this is not hospital uh, fentanyl that is given to um, patients in the ICU. And, and from my understanding and my research, most of the fentanyl coming illegally into the country is being brought in by Americans coming back from Mexico rather than from illegal immigrants or from uh, Mexicans coming into the United States. And the, <coughs> excuse me, the idea apparently that some Republicans, including Trump, have floated is to bomb Mexico. I'm just dumbfounded. I mean, if, if, I mean, people have, have, or apparently some individuals in, in Republican leadership or anyone who is, is thinking seriously of bombing Mexico, uh, Mexico has replaced Canada as the United States' largest trading partner, for one. And if anyone feels that getting rid of drug cartels is going to occur through bombing a neighboring country and that stemming illegal immigration and not creating a refugee crisis is going to occur by bombing a neighboring country and an ally. I'm absolutely dumbfounded that anyone would take such an idea seriously. I find myself at a loss for words. The, the, the chaos and, and the idiocy of such an idea, it's just, it's just beyond description. I understand now that uh, a potential government shutdown is looming and that Marjorie Taylor Greene has said that unless uh, she had, there's a number of conditions, uh, she will vote to shut the government down unless Biden is impeached, unless the Ukraine money is, is no longer invested in Ukraine in the war there, that, that has to stop. Something about COVID vaccines has to stop. But she, there are at least three conditions, if not four. If those don't happen immediately and absolutely, she will vote to shut the government down. And Kevin McCarthy has tried to massage the situation by saying, well, we can't have an investigation into Biden or an impeachment if there's no money to fund the government because there won't be any money to fund anything, including investigations. But uh, Ms. Green there is not mollified and has said, I will vote to shut the government down unless Biden is impeached immediately and unless the um, funding for the Ukraine war is stopped immediately and unless COVID vaccinations or, or mandates or something about COVID vaccinations are halted immediately. And as I said, there may be a fourth condition but all these must be met. The situation of, of holding the government hostage to meet entirely preposterous and self-serving demands, individual who apparently has no capacity for critical thinking and, and really no 
I, I don't know what planet this this woman is on um, or what country she thinks she's in. Uh, but I mean, I've just I've been listening to and of course the the Trump indictments and so on and Putin's having murdered Prigozhin. There's just so much that's happened since you and I last talked that I feel just like throwing up my hands and going to live in a cave somewhere. So after all that, Mark, what are your thoughts? Well, uh, as always, you leave me a lot of things to unpack here. Um, all right, let's so let's start with Marjorie Taylor Greene just for fun because we can get her out of the way. She's one vote out of five hundred and thirty-five. Uh, those in her camp, the what I would call the crazy caucus, probably numbers ten, maybe fifteen. The reason that Kevin McCarthy has to be so careful is because of the deal he made that one member can call for a vote to replace the speaker. So uh, that's really where that sits. If she thinks that they're gonna, she's going to get Biden uh, impeached uh, or any of the other demands that she has, I mean, yes, she's she's living in an alternate reality because many of the mainstream Republicans don't believe in this. So uh, again, it's just this small group, which I now call the crazy caucus, um, that that is is doing this again. McCarthy did this to himself. He put himself in the position uh, just to get elected speaker. This will be a tough minefield for him to navigate. But hey, he, he's going to have to navigate it. They are not as far as shutting down the government. I I don't think the, they've even got nearly enough Republican votes to make that happen, because there are still some very sensible Republican lawmakers that are equally as tired of all this as, as pretty much everybody else. So it's more, it's more bluster than it is anything else. And as far as Marjorie Taylor Greene's concerned, you know, the good voters of Dalton, Georgia can continue to send her to send her to Congress. That's of course their right to do so. But at some point in time, they've got to realize there really is no return on their investment in doing this. And when that time comes, you know, just sending a turd to be in the punch bowl just for spite, doesn't get a whole heck of a lot accomplished for you. So, again, uh, the good voters of Dalton, Georgia, where she comes from, um, I'm sure at some point in time is going to say, wait a minute, are we getting really the return on investment to send this person to Congress with these absolutely crazy demands that anybody that can do just basic political math knows these things are just not going to happen. So Marjorie Taylor Greene is an annoyance. Uh, she is the, uh, they now call them Karens, you know, she is the Karen of Congress, along with a few other ones there. If I don't get my way, I'm going to hold my breath. And I remember when my children would say that to me, if I, if I don't get my way, I'm going to hold my breath. Okay. Because you're going to pass out, and I'll just make sure you don't hit your head on the way down. And guess what? You'll start breathing again. So it's it's not that you know it. It's a great threat, uh, but it, it it's totally meaningless. And I think most of Marjorie Taylor Greene's threats are for the camera. I'm hoping she has enough sense to understand that what she's that what she's demanding is not going to happen anytime in this reality. But then again, could be wrong. So, I mean, I, I think we, we let, 
if you're getting wound up by all this, she's accomplishing her mission. This is the mission to get you wound up, to get people outraged, both those that support her, which is a very small, small group of people and those that, um, those that do not. And the hope is, yes, it rallies up that little base that she has, but the other hope is, is that the, the, the opponents will basically just throw up their hands and say, none of this is working and give up when the reality is that she really doesn't, there's no real power there. Uh, other than, like I say, the, the deal that Kevin McCarthy made, and that's his own fault. He, sh- he should have known better than that. Uh, so he's been trying to walk that fine line and so far he's done it. He he's done it so far, but if you really look at what Congress has gotten done, it, it very little, I mean, there's a few bipartisan bills that came through, um, that this crazy caucus had voted against, uh, but it still went through because you've still got, I mean, the Congress numbers are so close that, it's not just all about the 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 uh, the, Demo- the Republican Party in power. They need Republicans. They know they're going to lose these ten or fifteen votes. They know that. And the question is, can you get some of those Democrats to to you know make this happen? So the Democrats have more authority than people give them credit to. So that's that's it with Marjorie Taylor Greene. That's more oxygen that she needs. And uh, the only thing I say to people who get very upset about her is. Then if you're getting upset, she's winning because th- there's no purpose other than to upset people. So that's what that one. Vivek Ramaswamy, Vivek Ramaswamy basically tried to 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 uh, out Trump Trump. You made a, you made a statement. Trump won the um, the debates. In a way, I would agree with that because nobody else really came out and was like, an alternative um, it, it, first rule of politics. And I, I think we've heard this. I think Chris Kirstie has put it very, rather well. First rule of politics is, is you know who you're running against. That's the person to beat, beat them. You get a candidate that is under 91 felony indictments. If you can't find a way to beat that guy, you got a problem. And I think we've said this before, the base Trump base, I don't care what you say. They're not going to vote for you. Maybe Ramaswamy if Trump was to drop. But that base, and they are ever shrinking, but they are necessary for Republicans to win. That base is not going to vote for Chris Christie. That base is not going to vote for Asa Hutchins or Nikki Haley or anybody else up there. These candidates, if you're going to beat Trump, then beat him. Don't enable him. Yes, Chris Christie was, was mean to Trump. Yes, because that's really what he's doing. I don't think Chris Christie really thinks he has a chance to get the nomination. I, I really don't. Uh, at one point in time, I thought he might have had a, a pathway. But I really don't think he, he thinks he is, he's the the monkey wrench to be able to, to probably tear off people uh, from from the Trump vote. If anything, I think Chris Christie helps the Democrats. Because he basically comes out and says, listen, you know, this is not a guy you should that you should that should be our front runner. This is not the guy that should be our candidate for president. 
And I think he does he does speak in such a way that there's some of those Republicans, those moderate Republicans that are looking at it, and even the independents that are saying, you know what, that's right. Uh, and they will vote Democrat instead. Again, you got to kind of look at the political math for that. I won't, I did not watch the debates. I admit, I did not watch the debates. I only saw, you know, snippets of it here and there. Nobody was really that impressive. The concept that you have the front runner of your party indicted in four different jurisdictions, 91 felony counts, and you can't beat him, that says as much about the candidates, but it also says a lot about the party itself. And let's always remember, Republicans are supposedly the, the party of law and order. How can you be the party of law and order when your candidate is facing 91 felony counts? How is that, how is that even possible? What logic is there that makes you the, the party of law and order? So we will pick up this conversation in our next episode. We hope you'll join us. So that's all the time we have for today's episode. We'd like to thank our sponsors, the JCIS, an open journal for upcoming scholars. The JCIS is currently accepting article submissions for their fall 2023 edition. Call for papers information can be found in the description. The Phoenix Group, an independent research consortium offering solutions for social issues through multidisciplinary and unbiased research. And BH Conflict Resolution Services, a full-service dispute resolution firm offering expert and cost-effective mediation services to couples, groups, and businesses. BHCRS can be reached at www.bhcrs.com. We'd like to thank our podcast partners, Buzzsprout, who hosts the Nova Society, iHeartRadio, where people get their music and podcasts, Apple iTunes, the largest source for music and podcasts on the internet, Spotify, the most popular source for the Nova Society podcast. Finally, PodKite, our analytical partners. We'd like to thank all of our listeners. If you have a comment, question, or would like to be a guest on the Nova Society, we can be reached at nova.society.podcast at gmail.com. We'd also like to remind everyone that the Nova Society podcast is now available on our new YouTube channel. We encourage everyone to check out the channel and like and subscribe. The link can be found in our description. Remember, the power of society is knowledge. So for Dr. Brooklyn Ann Weldon and all of us here at the Nova Society podcast, I'm Dr. Mark Bound. Be well, and we hope to see you again next time.